I'm going to mention this a number of times throughout the series, but I'm using Dr. David Jeremiah's book called Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, What the Bible Reveals. I'm using this resource and a number of others, but this is the the main book I wanted to kind of use to guide me through uh, how to how to present the subject because books are so ordered and orderly and kind of tell a story. I'm hoping that I, I do more than just give a bunch of facts, but I can present this in somewhat of a, a story-like format over the next few weeks to make it a bit more interesting than just kind of a data dump. And so wanted to just highlight Dr. David Jeremiah's book. Again, it's called Angels. You can get it, get it on Amazon, probably anywhere. He's a very well-known author, and uh, you'll hear him on the radio from time to time, and uh, New York Times best-selling author, so wanted to plug him. Really appreciate Dr. David Jeremiah's ministry, man of the word, just solid soldier in the Lord, has just been faithful for so many uh, decades. So I really appreciate this book he's put together. Uh, Let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive in here. Excuse me. So Holy Spirit, we just ask for your blessing on the spoken word of God. Lord, I have nothing to offer. I have so little ability to help people, but you, O God, would you make these words spirit and life to those who are hearing this through Facebook Live and through the recording. I'm asking God that you would make this word alive. Lord, let these truths uh, set hearts free. Teach us the Bible tonight, Holy Spirit. Teach us and lead us into truth. Lord, I even pray you'd set my own heart on fire as I preach your word, and I pray you'd touch Caleb as well, and just those who will tune in here live and those who will uh, hear it later. Lord, we ask that that you would uh, give us understanding, give us ears that hear in the name of Jesus. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So again, a new series we're starting tonight called Angels. What the Bible Reveals About Heaven's Messengers, part one. We're going to have three or four, maybe five parts. I really want to thoroughly go through this subject because interestingly, if you follow angels through the Bible, you actually run into pretty much the the main biblical narrative because they show up in all the important parts of Scripture and all of, you know, the every part's important, but in the main stories, you know, when Jesus is born and all of that, and in some of the maybe minor stories, there's angels all through Scripture. And so uh, here we go. We're going to go into the introduction. Again, these notes are on the website if you want to go through with me. And if you have a question as I'm sharing, comment, and I'll get to it at the end or if, uh, if it's after we're done and you're listening to this, just comment and I'll try to reply to it later on. But trying to keep the Q&A going, we do that every week here uh, on Friday night, so I just want to try to keep that going through technology. Uh, some of the introductory comments I have uh, under number one, uh, letter A, angels are a created class of spiritual beings. They are created by God, and they're spiritual. So they, they are very uh, intelligent, they are moral, they make decisions, uh, but they don't have physical bodies like us. They take the shape of us, and they take the shape of things, but they do not have physical bodies. And so they can kind of do whatever they want, fly around. I mean, not whatever they want in, in the one sense, but they, they fly, they move about in, in unusual ways. But they are um, certainly created by God like we are, and they are spiritual like we are, but we have the added dimension of physicality that they do not have. But they also, they talk, they teach, they're intelligent, they're moral, they make decisions, and so they're very interesting. There are biblical references to angels found all throughout the Bible, all throughout Scripture. So there's not two or three Uh, instances that are kind of one-offs, there are actually about 300 plus references to 
angels or the angel of the Lord or angel stories, angel encounters, cherubim, seraphim, creatures that are angelic. So they're all over the scripture from uh, early on in Genesis when it says they put the cherubim uh, with a flaming sword uh, guarding the way to the tree of life. That's an interesting story involving angels. All the way to the end of the Bible, we see angels flying around the sky preaching the everlasting gospel. And I think, what is that going to look like? But very intriguing, hundreds of references, so not just a small topic. And um, there are many different kinds of angels. Well, not many, but there's a number of them. And there's various functions they perform. There's a lot to learn about this. And and so buckle up. We're going to get going here, and not just tonight, but for a few weeks, like I've mentioned. So uh, and I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. You excited, Caleb? You excited on Facebook? Good, good. You excited on the recording? <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, I hear you. Uh, first, I'd like to just start with a personal note. It's, it's, an, it's a topic, I'm just saying this personally to share with you my heart, the topic of angels has always intrigued me. My pocket, I got a charger there in my pocket. It has always intrigued me, and I've always wanted to do, for years and years, I've wanted to take the time to do a deep dive on this subject because it just fascinates me. Uh, the supernatural, the you know, healings, and there's so many things that, that, are, that are just fascinating to me. But you have to balance what you're interested in versus what you think people need and the community needs and what God's saying. And so I just, I haven't ever really taken a deep dive, but I've had a little bit more of a, of a chance to, to kind of sit down and go, yeah, let me get a few resources together and really look into this. And so here we be, we're doing a, a, a series now because I've had a little bit more time to look into this. And I'm kind of excited about it. I'm fascinated. Uh, I, I'm a prayer guy. And when you're a prayer guy and you notice that the prayer guys in the Bible saw angels or there was references to prayer and angels, you just kind of go, ah, I wonder, I wonder what really happens when we're praying. I wonder what's, what's behind the curtains, behind the scenes happening. And so I've just... I've always kind of thought, man, I need to do a study on that, and so here we go. Now, tonight is going to be pretty much preliminary, introductory, a few words of caution, a few words of here's how we're going to go about it, um, so, so more or less introductory, again, using Dr. David Jeremiah's book on angels. If you just tuned in, I held that up earlier, here's what it looks like. Really good book. I'm about halfway through this book right now and uh, using other uh, resources as well. But uh, I'm hoping, here's what I'm hoping, that as we study this subject, the subject of angels, we get biblical clarity on the subject of the heavenly hosts themselves or angels themselves, but even more... What I'm really hoping that we get out of this is a greater sense of awe of the Lord of hosts. Not just to understand the hosts themselves, which is the angels, but the Lord of hosts, also called Lord of Sabaoth, or I don't know if you pronounce that the right way, the Lord of hosts, which means the Lord of heaven's armies. The angels are in, uh, in the one sense, a, a warring entity that are at God's dispose, disposal to do His will on the earth. And so I want to get clarity not only of angels, but also the God of the angels and why He uses them in His plan. Now, the ways of God, obviously, we see in the Bible, involve angelic beings. And so when we understand their involvement in the biblical narrative, it sheds light on God and the wisdom of God because He made them and He utilizes them. So to get a grasp of that is to kind of get an angle on, oh, that's, that's one of the ways God moves. 
Now, let me just go down here to number two on the notes. I'd like to begin a bit with uh, a little bit more on, on why this is intriguing to me personally. Uh, is because of just numerous Bible stories that just over the years have caught my attention. Of course, related to prayer, first off, in Daniel chapter 9, we see that Daniel's praying in Daniel chapter 9, and what happens in Daniel chapter 9? Gabriel comes and says to Daniel, Daniel, because you're praying, God sent me. And I had to war a little bit and I had to come down, but I want you to understand your prayers are moving angels and devils and doing significant things. And by the way, here's some of the most significant eschatological information that the Bible's ever going to have. Here it is. So we see this relationship between prayer and the angelic. And so that intrigues me as a prayer guy. I want, if the angels are doing what God wants and prayer in you know, is involved in that. I want to be a man of prayer releasing the angelic hosts to change situations and bring revelation. I love that story, Daniel 9, 20 to 27. Now, Jesus also, Jesus being the greater Daniel, Jesus mentioned in Matthew 26, 53, Jesus made this side comment, essentially, saying that he had the power to pray for 12 legions or tens of thousands of angels. To, if you would have prayed that, they would have come. Matthew twenty six fifty three, which is an astounding prayer if you think about it. He just makes this comment, Do you not realize that I could ask my Father for tens of thousands of angels right now and it would happen? And I just think to myself, oh my word, the authority on this man. But, but if Jesus said he could do it, what's the realm of authority in the life of a believer? Can we pray? And when we pray, will the Lord release angels? Very interesting. Also, uh, unrelated to prayer, just on their own, angels fascinate me. There's this picture of angels in Revelation 5.11 that, that every time I read it, as I read through the Bible regularly, I come to Revelation 5.11 and John is, is having this visionary experience and he says that in, in Revelation 5.11 he sees 10,000 times 10,000 angels. And, it, and if that weren't enough, he says, and then, and then beyond that there were thousands and thousands more than that. And so John says, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this scene and I see 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And the Greek word there for 10,000 is myrios, which means innumerable. And so I don't know how literal or figurative that, that is. I haven't decided and I don't... <laughs> I don't, you know, it's almost immaterial because once you're talking about either 10,000 times 10,000, which is 100 million, or, so if it's literally 100 million or figuratively just a sea of angels that you can't number, it's still just an absurd thought. I mean, John is seeing, I mean, if you can picture it in your mind, a sea of angels as far as you can see, and they're all worshiping God and and it's like thunder roaring through the atmosphere. Angels are lifting up God and giving Him praise and glory. And I just think, unbelievable. How, how do you read verses like that and not just be like, what is happening just north of us in heaven right now? And so again, it's almost immaterial whether it's literal or figurative. It is one of the two. We know that the book of Revelation uh, utilizes different symbols and uh, different figurative language at times. I believe in a plain understanding and a plain interpretation of the Bible. It gets a little interesting in the book of Revelation, although 99% of it's very plain. But I don't think we have to settle this one right here today 
When John says 10,000 times 10,000, other translations just say myriads of myriads, which is, comes from the Greek word myrias. It, it's saying it's, it's so vast, no one could number it. I couldn't count it. And so we're talking about just a sea of people. I think of the videos of the Reinhard Bonnke Crusades in Africa where you just literally, when the camera pans out, it's just endless seas of people. That's what he sees in Revelation 5.11, just an endless sea of angels and they're all worshiping God. And so you read verses like that and it just kind of makes your heart just pound and Whoa, what do they see that we don't see? Wow. And so it just leaves me awestruck and fascinated. Is the, uh, we working properly out there, Mr. Tech Man? Ooh, we got mom to join. <laughs> That's a good sign. Thank you for joining, sweetie. I know she's my number one fan. Or wait, are you my number one fan? Um, All right, we'll talk about that. See if it's mom or Caleb, who knows. Now on the other end of the Bible, so we see this endless sea of angels in Revelation. Earlier on in the Bible, the first instance or reference to an angelic being is Genesis 3.24. I referenced it earlier. It's the cherubim that guard the way to the tree of life and there's this flaming sword. So Adam and Eve couldn't get back there after they were banished. Interesting, crazy picture of angels. God saying, guard the path, use a flaming sword if you have to, but no one can get there. Interesting. All through the Bible, beginning to end, there's angel stories, there's angel encounters, there's mysteries related to the angelic, and it's all part of God's grand plan. They're all through the Scriptures, and so it's, it's a deserving topic to look into. Now, I'm, I'm really intrigued by where it says in Matthew 4.11, we know the story... Jesus goes out to the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. He's fasting for 40 days. And he has these three, you know, intense, uh, you know, Satan tempts him and then Jesus responds. And, and there's this, this uh, intense uh, moment of time. And then it says in Matthew 4.11, when it ended and the devil left, that Angels came and ministered to Jesus. Again, just one seemingly innocent little verse. It says angels came and ministered to Jesus. And so here's what I think. If Jesus needed angelic ministry in his life, how much more do we need it? If Jesus was weary about the temptations of the devil and the father's like, I need to send angels to help this man. If the son of God needed angelic help, how much more do you and I not only need to know they're real, but need them helping us? Fascinating verse, Matthew 4.11. I think as I go through this subject, you may start to have thoughts well, I've never thought of that before. I urge you to just look it up in Scripture. That's why I provide notes and why I use lots of Bible verses in my teachings because ultimately I want you to go to your Bible and look at it and go, yeah, that makes sense or it doesn't make sense and uh, wrestle through it on your own. Now, again, as an introductory part of this series, I want to really take some time to offer some kind of some shepherdly, brotherly words of caution because we cannot approach this subject the wrong way. We want to approach it biblically. And I, I really want to take a deep dive, take some people with me to, uh, to get more of a grasp of this subject. But I want, to, I, w I want to give some caution as we get going. I don't want to approach this the wrong way. Like this is the, the new direction we're going. We're going to just focus on them. No, no, we're, 
100% focused on Jesus, on what He's doing, on God, on the Holy Spirit, and and not going off to some uh, peripheral direction. And a lot of Christians look at angels as peripheral, and so they never take the time to study them. It is certainly a secondary subject. I don't want to major my whole life on this subject. I really want to get a grasp of it. But in order to do so, we need to just go through some cautionary um, words, some cautionary thoughts before we do so. Spend a little bit of the rest of the time doing that. And then I've got some stories I want to share at the end. So number one word of caution, I would just say from brother to brother, brother to sister, is that first of all, this is not going to be a hallmark card presentation of angels for the next four or five weeks. This is not, hey, let's talk about chubby baby angels that are kind of brought up when there's these fads that every few years there's like an angel in the news and then people go buy a bunch of books on angels or there's a new book or new talk. There's, there's a lot of fads related to angels, but this presentation has nothing to do with a fad. Yeah, no, I wasn't waving. <laughs> uh, this is not, nothing to do with a fad um, that may kind of interest someone who says, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, religious, but I'm spiritual and I'm, oh, cool, I like mystical things. No, no, no. We're not going to present something that so that like people who are mystical, but I don't want to be devout. I don't want to be you know serve Jesus, but I want to talk about something like that. No, that's not what I'm going for. But again, it does seem like every once in a while there's you know an angel in the clouds, and everybody's in awe, and then someone writes a book, and it's a made up story, and and I don't want to. Uh, give any credence or say that's what it, I, this is not faddish at all. Uh, I just want to give the Bible. I want to teach exactly what the Bible says. Many times there's books, there's articles, there's news stories, uh, the documenting angel experiences, but they're they're unsubstantiated, they're false, or they just don't lead people to Jesus or the biblical uh, understanding of angels. So. Again, there's fads that come and go, but this is not what I'm trying to... I'm not trying to you know, prop up some kind of mystical, spiritual thing here. I'm just trying to go straight Bible on this. So that would be number one. A word of caution is just fads, avoiding that, or, or making the subject a fad. It's, 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 there's some biblical merit that we have to uh, give it. Number two... I would say that we want to avoid deception. There are a couple of scriptures that I want to highlight. 2 Corinthians eleven 14. We're told by Paul, Paul tells the Corinthians that Satan himself can masquerade as an angel of light. And so even Satan can, can kind of appear angelic, bright, convincing, and and. People who aren't instructed on the biblical reality of angels might not know that verse and say, well, an angel came to me and said, do this. Well, that thing wasn't in the Bible or it was unbiblical. And so let me just say this. Uh, I don't have it on my notes, but this is part of the heart of why I'm teaching this is I personally believe that angelic experiences are going to explode in the body of Christ. I believe that there are going to be so many people that encounter angels. I mean, I'm thinking it's going beyond the book of Acts. And if we don't help people to really get a level-headed sense about this subject, they could, they could truly be deceived. Because not only were there, are there going to be lots of genuine angelic encounters like there were in the book of Acts, there's going to be false encounters. And I'll develop that in a little bit. But Paul told the Corinthians, Satan can, can transform himself into an angel of light. And Paul also told the Galatians that if I or an angel tells you Something other than the gospel I'm preaching, don't believe it. So Paul recognized that angels can preach a false gospel. 
We see in the book of Revelation, again, I referenced this before, there is an angel at the end of the book of Revelation that preaches the gospel. Angels actually preach the gospel. It's real. But fallen angels or demonic angels, we'll get to that in another part, part two or three, they preach a false gospel and they will appear to people. They will seem like, oh my goodness, this is a real angel encounter. I prayed for one my whole life and it told me to go start this other religion. That would be a fallen angel. Now, we know that there are a number of religions, uh, some more prominent than others, that have begun because of this very thing, an angel experience or an angel encounter. The most well-known would certainly be the religion of Islam. Uh, In the year 610, Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad, claimed that he received the Quran in a series of visions involving the angel Gabriel. That's that's what he claims. And so from that supposed experience with the angel Gabriel has blossomed into one of the main religions in the world today, the, the religion of Islam. That all began as a false angelic encounter. Certainly, we know as believers and as Bible students that that was, of course, a fallen angel transforming himself into an angel of light. You know, who knows, maybe that prophet Muhammad was a sincere man who just really wanted to hear from God, and he, you know, who knows where his heart was. And and then we have this encounter, an angel shows up, and... Man, if you're really desperate for some kind of God encounter and that happens, the rest is history. A little more recent in time, that was the year 610. Uh, Earlier in the uh, 1900s, feels weird to say that because I was born in the 1900s, but we have the religion of Mormonism. The religion of Mormonism began, I'm on uh, number two under, under uh, Roman numeral 3A2, Mormonism began because uh, Joseph Smith claimed to receive the Book of Mormon from an angel, Moroni. A man named Joseph Smith, real person, he claimed that an angel, the angel named Moroni, said, hey, he gave me this extra book that we have to know, the Book of Mormon. By the way, that's the, this is just side commentary. Whenever something is cultish, it's always, well, the Bible's good, but there's this also, this other book out here, you're already a cult. See, here's the thing. Christianity is simple and it's profound. It's just the Bible. It's just Jesus It's one God. It's one way. It's not a whole bunch of ways. It's not the Bible and this book. It's not Jesus plus over here. Whenever we go into this world of, yeah, you have to believe and do this and do that, and then there's this other book too, you're already, you're a cult. And so certainly we know that uh, from a Christian perspective, I don't mean this in a, in, a, in a mean way, but we, we know that from a Christian perspective, from an Orthodox perspective, uh, Mormonism is a full-blown cult and they preach a false gospel. Uh, Islam is not the way to Jesus. And so we as Bible students trying to be faithful to the Word of God, we would say clearly those are false religions. I, I highlight them because... They are connected to angelic encounters. Now, there are other cults that have angel experience encounters, uh, supposedly, and I I have a personal conviction that that will continue to happen more and more until we see the day in which Jesus returns. There are going to be all kinds of false uh, attempts to deceive God's people, to deceive people from going the narrow way, to Jesus Christ. And so I just want to highlight that. 
Before we get deep into this study, because there's a lot to communicate, that we want to avoid anything false, basically anything that would take us away from Jesus as the only way, or anything from the Bible as the Word of God, the 66 books of the canon. The Bible never tells us that, oh, an angel appeared, there's a new book of the Bible. No, no, no. The, the Bible is, the canon is closed. We don't ask for angels to teach us extra Bible verses or give us new books. We don't pray to them. We don't worship them. And so I'm all fascinated by this subject, but we have to be careful. Another word of caution. Again, if you were listening last week, I have, I have this heart of an older brother. And so I look, I look out for people. So whenever we want to teach something that's somewhat peripheral, maybe slightly controversial and not on people's radar as much, we just want to take a little bit of caution. Uh, so there's fads we want to avoid. We want to avoid being deceived, of course. But then there's this hyper-spirituality that's kind of in the charismatic Pentecostal house of prayer kinds of communities, which I am totally. There's this tendency to be hyper-spiritual about things. Not yet. And, uh, and so I've had many people, many people, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what the number is, many people come to me and say, hey, Derek, I see angels everywhere. I see 90-foot-tall angels. I see angels doing this and this. And, and so I've, I've been around charismatic, gifts of the Spirit, tongue-speaking, heart kind of people. That's my people. I love them. I'm one of you. We're one family. And I am so want to be one of those Holy Spirit guys to the end. But here's the thing. That community that we are, we value the Holy Spirit. We value tongues. We value words of knowledge, dreams, visions, angels, Jesus encounters. We value that. But kind of the blind spot that no one really wants to talk about is that there is so much exaggeration that goes on in the charismatic Pentecostal house of prayer family that that I am a part of, that I'm helping lead, and that is uh, all over the world. Charismatic Pentecostal faith is the largest expression of Christianity in the world today, by far. And so it's everywhere and and it's clearly a god thing it's not the um superior denomination it's just one of the many valid parts of the body of christ but we must really take seriously the the notion of being faithful and not exaggerating things now i've been in again talked to so many people who they kind of have this Maybe on the on the lower end of the spectrum, it's just kind of a fun exaggeration or maybe a little innocent. Maybe they just kind of got excited and called like a mental thought. They called it the real thing. So there's that. But then on the other end of the spectrum, there are people within charismania and, and Pentecostalism that they just truly lie. They lie about how spiritual they are, the spiritual encounters they're having, because they're trying to present this image that they're this mega spiritual person. And unfortunately, it's common. Uh, there, are, there are totally fraudulent people who say, yeah, there's angels here and there's angels there, and they're literally just lying. And so we have to call a spade a spade. I'm, I'm pretty patient with people who are just excited and they're like, I sense angels everywhere. Awesome. Cool. We're not going to sit here and debate it. Okay. But the people who they're just making big claim after big claim, and they're just kind of pulling rabbits out of a hat that we just have to tone down this hyper spirituality. And if you see one cool, just be, don't be hyper spiritual. Here's the, here's the antidote. Hyper-spiritual people, here, here's the thing. Their problem is not that they're too spiritual. It's that they're not genuinely spiritual enough. Because part of being genuinely spiritual, here's the thing. I'm going to scoot a little closer to drive the point home. 
I don't know who's watching right now. People who struggle with being hyper-spiritual, maybe that's you watching, maybe it's you're hearing the recording, you have to be more honest. That's a part of being genuinely spiritual. You don't have to exaggerate everything all the time. You just, you just are genuine. Don't try to make stuff up to look better. Just be humble, be honest, be genuine. That's what true spirituality is. Now, what's interesting is that in 1 Kings 13, there's, of course, a Bible study for this. There's a Bible story for every point I give tonight. There is a tragic story in 1 Kings 13 between a true prophet and a lying prophet. It's this interesting, unique story. I encourage you to read it. But this true prophet who really hears from God is on an assignment And then the lying prophet says, hey, I saw an angel. And he said this. And he deceives the true prophet. And there's this drastic consequence uh, that you can read about in the 1 Kings 13 story. But it was a a lie. It was a bold-faced lie. And it derailed the true prophetic. My heart as a brother is that we don't slip into this hyper-spiritualizing or even succumbing to this lying spirit that sometimes gets into the prophetic. I just want to be, let's just do what God says. Let's not exaggerate. Let's not listen to all these crazy people saying, I had an angel, we need to do this. No, 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 we're just going to do what God told us. Hallelujah. So as we learn about angels, let's resist that temptation to... Uh, be hyper spiritual to fluff things up because I, I just don't I don't want us to be the false prophetic. Amen, amen. One last comment, one last word of caution. So we want to avoid the fad, we want to avoid the deception, we want to avoid being hyper spiritual. But here's the thing: all that being said, we cannot diminish the reality. We don't want to be naive. Related to the potential deceptions. We don't want to be naive related to fallen angels or demons because it's all real. But we don't want to be unbelieving about something that's real. We don't want to minimize the importance of good, holy angels that are likely all around us at all times. We don't want to minimize that at all. And so we don't want to become faddish. We don't want to succumb to deception. We want to know the truth about this stuff. We don't want to fluff it up and, and make it hyper-spiritual. But let's in no way diminish. These, these are real beings. They're likely in our life right now. We don't see them 99.999% of the time. But I know people who've seen them for real. I know many stories of when they touched people. I, I am convinced that I've seen miraculous intervention involving angels. I've never seen one with my eye. I know people who have. And they happen all over the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. They've happened throughout church history. And so we want to we say this is real. This is in the Bible. This happens. Let's not minimize it. Hebrews 13.2, one of those cool verses... Hebrews 13.2, the author of Hebrews throws in this, you know, don't be, you know, make sure you entertain strangers. Make sure you're hospitable to strangers because you never know it could be an angel. That verse just keeps me like on the, you know, wonder who, I wonder if I've ever experienced an angel encounter, but it was kind of the plain clothes angel type And there's a few experiences I've had throughout my life, and I just to this day wonder, I wonder if that was an angel. Because it was just so divine, and it was so odd, and it it would so be like God. We'll never know till we get there. We will never know. But, But be hospitable. Sometimes a complete stranger will come into your life, and the Lord says, be hospitable. It could be an angel from heaven. Now we know there's many, many types
types of experiences. Sometimes the angel shows up and it's a terrifying experience. The angel has to say, fear not, I'm an angel. Sometimes it's the plainclothes version and the people have no idea. It just seems like a normal person. So there's varying degrees of when they show up, how they present themselves. Now, I'm going to go just read a couple stories to end here. We've got about a few minutes. Again, if you've got uh, questions that you want to put, comment questions, and I'll try to answer those. But I wanted to end with a few stories. I love these kinds of stories, and I don't mean, you know, there's all kinds of fake stories out there, but then there's ones that are well-documented and trustworthy. And uh, there's a couple different resources I'm drawing from. But uh, one of the stories, um, Billy Graham, in fact, wrote a book um, in 1975 called Angels, which has sold millions of copies. And and were many reputable stories were uh, collected and, and you know verified. Uh, one was his own grandmother's death, Billy Graham's grandma. And he says that uh, as his family was there at his grandmother's death, it says that the room seemed to fill with a heavenly light. She sat up in bed and, and said kind of laughingly, I see Jesus. He has his arms outstretched toward me. I see my husband who had died and I see the angels. And then she died. Billy Graham is telling this story. He was there personally. And he says, this is what happened when my grandma died. She says, I see Jesus, I see my husband Ben, and I see angels. And at that point she died. Sort of like when Stephen was stoned, his eyes were open for a, a moment, and he, he is like, I, I see it. I see the Lord. I, uh, you know, whoa. Billy Graham recounts uh, many times where he says as an evangelist, he's often, you know, he's spoken at huge stadium events and he'd gotten to the point where he said there were many times where he had no strength. His, um, he was very weak and, uh, and then he would on many occasions believe that there were angelic uh, ministry touching him because he would he would go from just absolutely no energy to uh, feeling the strength of the Lord. And so he sort of uh, believes that that was more of an um, angelic involvement in his ministry. Many occasions that he says that happened. Now there's another story. Another story, pioneer missionary John G. Patton. He was a pioneer missionary on the New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific. He tells a well-known story that hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, and they were going to burn the uh, they're going to burn their house to the ground and kill everybody. And John Patton and his wife they prayed all night. And uh, that God would deliver them. And then daylight came. And the attackers had left and they thanked God. Now a year later after this, a year later, the chief of the tribe was converted. Mr. Patton remembered what happened a year earlier. He asked the chief, why didn't you burn down our house and kill us? I know you guys were coming for us. And the chief said, Who were all those men 
you had there with you. The missionaries, uh, Mr. Patton said, there were no men there, just me and my wife praying. And the chief said, no, 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 we saw men, many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with swords. And they seemed like they were circling the mission station so that our people were afraid to attack you because these, uh, they were so mighty and terrifying. Again, this is unbelievers. They're going to kill the missionaries and they see with their eyes. The missionaries didn't see it, but the attackers saw it. They saw these uh, huge men in light, with uh, light garments holding swords. Here, here's the thing. If you're trying to kill a Christian and you see a giant shining angel with a sword, you, are, you ain't going to win that battle. Mr. Patton realized that the Lord had answered the prayers of just him and his wife. He sent angels, not just one or two, but he surrounded their mission work with mighty angels. There's a very well-known angel story in the life of Corey Ten Boom. During the Second World War, she was in a gruesome Nazi prison camp. She recounts this uh, in a work called A Prisoner and Yet. She and her sister Betsy had just arrived at Ravensbrook. Prisoners were being searched and Corey had a Bible under her dress, which was essentially a death sentence if she's caught. And she says it, it did bulge out, obviously through her dress, but she says this, I prayed, Lord, cause your angels to surround me. Let them not be transparent today, for the guards must not see me. I've got this Bible. She says she felt completely at ease. She was calm and she passed the guards. Everyone was checked from the front, the sides, the back. Not a bulge escaped the eyes of the guard. The woman just in front of uh, Corey had hidden a wooden, I'm sorry, a woolen vest under her dress. It was taken. They let Corey Ten Boom pass. They didn't see her. And then Betsy, right behind her, was searched. Outside, there was another danger. On each side of the door were women who looked everyone over a second time. They felt over the body of each one who passed. I knew they would not see me, for the angels were surrounding me. I was not even surprised when they passed me by, but with, within me rose this jubilant cry, Lord, you do answer prayer. I can face even Ravensbrook unafraid. There are many, many stories of angels involving themselves in world wars, Nazi prison camps, stadium crusades where Billy Graham's preaching, missionary frontiers. These are real brothers and sisters. Again, we don't want to hype it. We don't want to fat it. We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be hyper-spiritual about it. But this stuff is real. When we pray, as we obey God, as we go about our life as Jesus' disciples, we are not only with the care of our Heavenly Father, but we are under the care of legions, thousands upon thousands of mighty, holy, warring angels watching over the body of Christ. And so rest assured tonight, you who are watching or you who are listening, there are angels that God has, has assigned. There are angels that are uh, called by God to help you when you're in need. We're going to break this down over the next few weeks. There are likely many times in your life where you were spared or you knew your life was spared where undoubtedly angels were involved. And so I'm excited to look at this in greater depth, 
over the next few weeks. I hope you're encouraged. I hope this kind of provokes you and puts a little bit of a fire in your belly. Let's study this together. Let's look into this together. But with that, we're going to go ahead and check to see if there are any questions. I've got to come all the way back here. Okay, we don't, I don't think we have any questions. If you do have questions, just let me know. I accidentally turned on my flashlight. Uh-oh, I'm getting a really bright. Really bright light. Okay, we're good. Not a bright light of an angel, but on my phone. Thank you for tuning in. Let me just close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what the Bible reveals about your heavenly messengers. Lord, I ask you to release them. Father, I pray that all over our city, your holy angels would be on assignment. Just as they ministered to you while you were on earth, Lord Jesus, in Matthew 4.11, we ask for that angelic ministry over those who are in need tonight. We pray that you would be with your people, and we know that one of the ways you're with your people is you send your holy servants, you send your holy hosts, the angels of heaven. We pray that all over the region tonight, even all over our nation, there would be lives spared because of angelic intervention. Lord, we do pray that this virus that spread all over the earth would come to a stunning conclusion. Lord, that lives would be able to uh, get back to that sense of new normalcy. Father, that we would learn what you're trying to teach us in this season but that you would bring this virus to an end. I bless those who've tuned in. I bless those who are here in this recording. And I pray that your people would be encouraged tonight. I pray for heavenly encounters. I pray for these angelic hosts. Even tonight, even throughout our city and beyond, there would be heavenly hosts ministering to the saints. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful evening. Have an even better weekend, and I'll check back with you next Friday. Please do be on the lookout for a special announcement regarding our plans to reopen kind of a phased approach. Bless you all. Caleb's going to officially close us in prayer. Here you go, bud. Jesus, I pray in the name of God that we have a wonderful night tonight and that we have a super good day today and everyone will be inspired by Dad's preaching. In the yes. name of God, amen. Amen. All right.